Bibles with you today. I hope you do. I'll ask you to open them up to the Gospel of Matthew. We are still in chapter 5, going through the series that we titled The Pursuit of Happiness as we go through these Beatitudes. Today we are on to the fourth Beatitude. These were the sayings of Jesus during his Sermon on the Mount, a very important, probably his most preeminent teaching in the ministry of Jesus, where he lays out the principles of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, he's talking about the conduct and the character of those people who are part of the kingdom of heaven. I love how Dr. Derwin Gray uh, describes the Beatitudes. He says that they are a picture of what God's people, under his rule and reign of grace, live like on earth. What Jesus was teaching us was the way we are to conduct ourselves uh, and the character that drives that conduct, how we are to live on earth. It says they are the ethos of heaven invading us each one of these pronouncements begins with that word blessed, which we understand is the uh, Greek word makarios, which means happy. Happy is the person uh, who are these things, right? Happy is the person who is poor in spirit. Happy is the person who mourns. Happy is the person who is meek. Um, and these blessings, these pronounced blessings that Jesus says are, are, are guaranteed with a promise, each one underwritten by the promise of God. There's a saying in popular culture, I'm sure we all have heard it, or you, you may have heard it, if you haven't, um, I'll invite you to, to ponder it this morning, but there's a saying in popular culture that goes like this, you are what you eat, how many of you have heard that before, right? Um, and there's conventional wisdom to that truth, uh, you are what you eat. If you research this phrase, you'll see that it dates back to the 1800s, and most people attribute it to a French connoisseur who said this, tell me what you eat, and I'll tell you what you are. So you get the saying there, you are what you eat. And there's an easy truth to understand here that eating healthy produces what? Healthy living. Eating unhealthy will produce what? Unhealthy living. Uh, I use this saying because we're not speaking about our diet today, uh, but this truth still applies to today's beatitude. Today's beatitude is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, and it reads like this. Jesus says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. Other translations may insert the word righteousness there. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or justice, for they will be satisfied. They will be satisfied. I've entitled today's message, Satisfaction Guaranteed. Satisfaction Guaranteed. This beatitude is underwritten by the promise of God that you will be satisfied. You live a life that has a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, for justice. This core truth here is built on the reality of hunger. Hunger is, is the truth that something is lacking in your life. When we lack food physically, we produce hunger. The body produces hunger. Now, uh, us here in this country, we're, we're blessed, right? We have access, well, most of us, I shouldn't say all of us, most of us have uh, easy access to food. How many of you have ever just felt maybe a little bit hunger? Maybe it's a little bit, you know, uh, boredom. Maybe it's a little bit curiosity. But how many of you have ever walked up to your refrigerator just randomly opened it to look inside. You don't know what you're looking for. You're not seeking maybe something to eat, but you just walk to the refrigerator and you open 
access to food. So our understanding of the reality of hunger, for the most part in this country, is very, very limited. But when Jesus spoke these words to the people that were there uh, overseeing the Sea of Galilee, uh, the reality of starvation, the reality of dehydration was a constant threat to their life. When Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he was speaking to a crowd who lived in a real time of dehydration, in a real time of starvation. The hunger and the thirst that Jesus is speaking of here is not a novel hunger that's satisfied by a bagel or a donut or some chips or some other snack. He's speaking of here of starvation. He's speaking of a thirst here that's equal to an animal that is parched, that is exhausted. He's speaking here of a deep longing, of an impassioned desire for something great, as if your life depended on it. David connects to this idea in Psalms 42, when he says, As a deer longs or thirsts for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. It's the image of a deer that's been trapped by a hunter that doesn't have access to water, who understands it's dying, and it's saying, in my death, in my need, in my deep longing, like like this deer would, would want water. God, that's how much I thirst and I hunger for your presence in my life. Jesus is making clear to us that we are to maintain a clear and present spiritual Asaph, who wrote many of the Psalms as well, says in Psalms 73, Whom have I have in heaven but you? I desire, I hunger, I thirst you more than anything on earth. This is the kind of hunger, this is the kind of thirst that Jesus is speaking of here. Asaph says, My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Now what is it that we are to hunger and thirst after? Jesus says, justice, righteousness. What is the meaning of justice and righteousness? It's a very deep, complicated, complex truth in Scripture. At its core, it's a desire for things that are wrong to be made right. It's something that's out of place, a desire you have to put it back in its right place, for something that is broken to be restored. It's a desire for something that isn't as it should be, and you want it to be put back where it should be. There's, there's three kind of components to righteousness that's, that's spoken here of Jesus. The first desire for this kind of uh, thing that is broken to want to be fixed is the righteousness of God, to being made right with God. So this is speaking of a desire for relationship. When Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he's saying blessed are those who thirst and hunger for right standing with God, for those who have a desire to have a right relationship with God. We should desire wanting to be made right with God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be what? Made right with God. Through who? Ourselves? No. 
that we cannot earn our own righteousness. We cannot buy it. We cannot earn it. We cannot purchase it. But through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we now have the opportunity to have relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. And that is something we should thirst and hunger after. Jesus, who never knew sin, he is the picture of the atonement. A, a, a couple months ago, we went through the series Finding Jesus, and we learned about the atonement, right, in the, in the Old Covenant, how the high priest would bring the two goats, and one would be kept outside, and one would be taken in to the Holy of Holies, where it would be killed, and its blood would be sprinkled on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, symbolizing the covering of the sin of the people by the blood. Because God would no longer see the sin of the people because the blood was covering that. Jesus fulfills that atonement. And through the shedding of his blood, we are now made right in the eyes of God. And that should be something we all thirst and hunger for in our life. Number two, living right with others. We should have a hunger and a thirst not only to live right with God through relationship, but to live right with others through our character our character. After all, the Beatitudes are, are a pronunciation of the character and the conduct of the kingdom coming down to heaven. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He personally carried our sins in His body. Speaking of Jesus here, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. righteousness could be translated upon you so that now your mind might be renewed that your spirit man might be reformed so your words might be different so the way you relate might be different and now you are made new so you can live for what is right it's describing how we best live in life is through God's ways our Hughes says this the one who hungers and thirsts wants the character of the kingdom. You need to want it. Just like that deer wants that water for its survival, for us to be right with God and to be right with others, we should want this character of the kingdom. We should pant after the fruit of the Spirit, which empowers this character. He wants God's will and all it entails. So the righteousness that we seek is one, to be uh, right with God, and two, to be right with others. Now three, it's desiring right for all people. This is the justice of God. The desire to be right with all. Justice. Get that up on the screen, please. Third point. Justice. Character. Relationship. This is the righteousness that we should hunger and pursue after. It, 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 this means that we take the righteousness of God and we don't make it individualistic and just say, as long as I'm right with God, as long as I'm right with others, uh, things are okay. It's, it's just me, him, and no one else. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, blessed, happy are those who hunger and thirst for justice for all people. For all people. That's why Isaiah 1 says, wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek 
justice, righteousness, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. This is enlarging the picture of which Jesus is speaking here to say his righteousness is not only for you and for him and for your relationship and your family, but it's for all of society. It's for the benefit of the greater good. This builds on the theme that our God is a God of justice. Psalms 89.14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. What is the foundation of the kingdom of which the throne of God sits upon? It is the themes of righteousness and of justice. It says, Your unfailing love and truth walks before you as attendants. Jeremiah pronounces this over the nation of Israel, over God's people in chapter 22. He says, this is what the Lord says. Be fair-minded and just. Do what is right or act righteously. Help those who've been robbed. Rescue them from the oppressors. Quit your evil deeds. Do not mistreat foreigners. Alone. Orphans and widows. Stop of a society where the justice of God flows through every structure and every system in society. That means the justice of God flows through our laws, flows through our government, flows in our courts, flows in the boardrooms, flows in finance, flows in the home, and yes, even flows in church. We need to hunger and thirst for the justice of God, the righteousness of God, not to only be present in our hearts and with the people that we love, but for all Stott, the great English theologian and author, says, Thus Christians, understanding this truth, that blessed, happy are those who hunger and thirst for this righteousness. Thus Christians are committed to hunger for righteousness in the whole human community. The whole human community. Yes, even those who persecute you. Even those who curse you. Christians are committed to hunger for righteousness in the whole human community as something pleasing to a righteous God. Now, why does this matter? Why does this even matter? Especially in a culture that doesn't seem to value righteousness. No one seems to care about being right nowadays, right? If you look around, people are mostly concerned with themselves and, 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 and wanting to, you know, look out for them and for number one, and it's very individualistic, and it's very siloed, and in our culture, it's, hey, it's about me and what I could do and get mine ahead, uh, so why should we even care about this this morning? Why should we even, you know, even give a fragment of our mind to this idea of hungering and thirsting for justice, for righteousness? Uh, here, ponder this from Proverbs 12, 28. This is from the NIV. It says, in the path of righteousness is life. Here's why you need to care about this this morning. Because in the pathway, in the life, in the journey of hungering and thirsting for righteousness, you find what? Life. And in its pathway, there is what? No death. What life is it talking about here? It means real life. It's not talking about merely existing 
just exist. This is not talking about just existing, where you're disconnected from your purpose, where you're just kind of, you know, living for the weekend. I just want to put my 40 hours in, pay my taxes, pay my bills, and make it to Saturday where I can breathe. That's just existing. This is not talking about that. This is talking about real life in the pursuit the hunger and the thirst for righteousness, you find real life that's meaningful, that's purposeful, because you understand that you're made for and living for God. Where do we discover that life? In the pursuit and the hunger and thirst for righteousness, for justice. It says in the pathway there is no death. That means in the pursuit of hunger, thirst for righteousness, we find eternal heaven in the pursuit of righteousness. Now can I say something? This is all a choice. You need to choose to have this hunger. You need to choose to have this thirst. I, I sometimes have a difficulty connecting how people can make the choice to live their whole life disconnected and apart from God, but yet when they die, expect that they will be in His presence forever. choose to live my whole life for me and my agenda and be the Lord and Savior of my own life. But when I die, I expect Him to open the door for me and let me in. Are you pursuing justice in your life? Are you pursuing your agenda? What are you hungry for? Exactly. What are you hungry for? Because what you need is what you want. This is why it matters because in the path of righteousness is found
lovingly about someone, it's like murdering them with your words. Have you ever done that? Jesus said to look at a person in lust is like committing adultery in your heart. Have you ever done that? We shouldn't be people who live too self-righteous of ourselves, thinking that we're good enough to earn this righteous life and get into heaven. Hey, you cannot earn your own righteousness. You cannot tell me that you are a person who follows all of God's commandments. No one does. Romans 3.20 says, For no one can ever be made right. No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows how sinful we are. The law is there to remind us of our desperate need for God. That's why the whole beatitude uh, construct is built on the idea that blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who understand, I have nothing, God, to offer you. So I desperately, desperately need you. So don't live a life full on yourself. Don't live a life of saying, well, at least I'm better than my neighbor. You should see that guy. Or my favorite of all time, I'm not Hitler. Or Stalin. Or whatever other name you want to insert in there. God does not grade on a curve.
like a sample at Costco. Like, you know, like this lady here. Just give me my little taste of God for the week and I'm good. Is he is he your appetizer in your life? Or is he the main course? Is he the main meal? You see, if we were to treat our nutrition by saying, this is all I need for the week, a verse, a day, keeps the doctor away. A podcast every here and there, I'm good. If you were to treat your nutrition this way, and if this is all you ate for the whole week, Those who hunger and thirst. 
thirst, desire to see justice executed on earth. They long to experience a deeper ethical righteousness in their own lives. And most of all, they crave God's promised salvation to come to earth. Do you crave and do you thirst after, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where here on earth, as it is up there? Jesus is calling us in this Sermon on the Mount to bring the culture and the character and the conduct of the kingdom down to earth in our daily life. steps here, practical steps. Don't live full of yourself. You can't make yourself righteous. This too, stay thirsty and stay hungry, my friends. Three, by all means, please avoid junk food. Hey, when people are hungry, they'll eat anything. There's a, there's a natural law to that. There's a spiritual law to that. Solomon had all the wisdom in the world, 
Solomon had, I don't know, hundreds of, of wives and concubines. He, he had kingdoms. He had influence. He had status. If, if, if social media was around when Solomon was around, he, he would be up there in the amount of followers that he would have. I mean, this guy was powerful. He had it all. And guess what he realized in the end? It's all
to me. Whoever, whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Satisfaction. I'm going to invite the worship to join me. We're going to close our time out by singing praise to God. But I also want to Those are things that will never 